Chapter Five of A Man of Honor by George Carey Eggleston. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Five. Mr. Pagebrook makes some acquaintances. Mr. Robert had often heard of an old Virginian welcome, but precisely what constituted it he never knew until the carriage in which he rode drove around the circle and stopped in front of the Shirley mansion. The first thing which struck him as peculiar about the preparations made for his reception was the large number of small negroes who thought their presence necessary to the occasion. Little black faces grinned at him from behind every tree, and about a dozen of them peered out from a safe position behind old master and old missus. Mr. Billy had telegraphed from Richmond announcing the coming of his guest, and so every darky on the plantation knew that Mass Joe's son was a-comin' with Mass Billy from the north, and every one that could find a safe hiding-place in the yard was there to see him come. Colonel Barksdale met him at the carriage while the ladies were in waiting on the porch, as anybody but a Virginian would put it, in the porch, as they themselves would have phrased it. The welcome was of the right hearty order which nobody ever saw outside of Virginia, a welcome which made the guest feel himself at once a very part of the establishment. Inside the house our young friend found himself sorely puzzled. The furniture was old in style, but very elegant, a thing for which he was fully prepared, but it stood upon absolutely bare white floors. There were both damask and lace curtains at the windows, but not a vestige of carpet was anywhere to be seen. Mr. Robert said nothing, but wondered silently whether it was possible that he had arrived in the midst of house-cleaning conversation luncheon and finally dinner at four occupied his attention however and after dinner the whole family gathered in the porch for really i believe the virginians are right about that preposition i will ask mr robert himself some day he soon found himself thoroughly at home in the old family mansion among relatives who had never been strangers to him in any proper sense of the term. Not only was Mrs. Barksdale his father's sister, but Colonel Barksdale himself had been that father's nearest friend. The two had gone west together to seek their fortunes there, but the Colonel had returned after a few years to practice his profession in his native state and ultimately to marry his friend's sister. Mr. Robert soon felt himself literally at home, therefore, and the feeling was intensely enjoyable, too, to a young man who for ten years had not known any home other than that of a bachelor's quarters in a college community. His reception at Shirley had not been the greeting of a guest, but rather the welcoming of a long-wandering son of the house. To his relatives there he seemed precisely that, and their feeling in the case soon became his own. This clannishness, as it is called, may not be peculiar to Virginia of all the states, 
but I have never seen it half so strongly manifested anywhere else as there. Toward evening, Major Pagebrook and his son Ewing rode over to call upon their cousin Robert, and after the introductions were over, cousin Edwin went on to talk of Robert's father, for whom he had felt an unusual degree of affection, as all the relatives had, for that matter, Robert's father having been a special favorite in the family. Then the conversation became more general. "'When are you going to cut that field of tobacco by the prize barn, Cousin Edwin?' asked Billy. "'I see it's ripening pretty rapidly.' "'Yes, it is getting pretty ripe in spots, and I wanted to put the hands into it yesterday,' replied Major Pagebrook. "'But Sarah Ann thought we'd better keep them plowing for wheat a day or two longer.' and now I'm afraid it's going to rain before I can get a first cutting done. "'How much did you get for the tobacco you sent to Richmond the other day, Edwin?' asked the colonel. "'Only five dollars and three cents a hundred, average.' "'You'd have done a good deal better if you'd sold in the spring, wouldn't you?' "'Yes, a good deal. I wanted to sell then.' but Sarah Ann insisted on holding it till fall. By the way, I'm going to put all my lots, except the one by the creek, in corn next year and raise hardly any tobacco. All but the creek lot? Why, that's the only good corn land you have, Edwin, and it isn't safe to put tobacco in it either, for it overflows a little. Yes, I know it. But Sarah Ann is discouraged by the price we got for tobacco this year, and doesn't want me to plant the lots next season at all. "'Why didn't you bring Cousin Sarah Ann over and come to dinner today, Cousin Edwin?' asked Miss Barksdale, coming out of the dining-room, key-basket in hand, to speak to the guests. "'Oh, we've only one carriage-horse now, you know.' I sold the black last week and haven't been able to find another yet. Sold the black? Why, what was that for, Cousin Ed? I thought you specially liked him, said Billy. So I did, but Sarah Ann didn't like a black and gray together, and she wouldn't let me sell the gray on any terms, though I could have matched the black at once. Winger has a colt well broken that's a perfect match for him. Come, Ewing, we must be going. Sarah Ann said we must be home to tea without fail. You'll come to the Oaks, Robert, of course. Sarah Ann will expect you very soon, and you mustn't stand on ceremony, you know. But come as often as you can while you stay at Shirley. "'What do you think of Cousin Edwin, Bob?' asked Billy when the guests had gone. "'That he is a very excellent person, and—' "'And what? Speak out. Let's hear what you think.' "'Well, that he is a very dutiful husband.' "'Bob, I'd give a pretty for your knack at saying things. Your tongue's as soft as a feather bed.' "'But wait till you know the madam. 
You'll say, My son, you shouldn't prejudice Robert against people he doesn't know. Sarah Ann has many good qualities, I suppose. Well, then, I don't suppose anything of the sort, else she would have found out how good a man Cousin Edwin is long ago, and would have behaved herself better every way. "'William, you are uncharitable.' "'Not a bit of it, mother. Your charity is like a microscope when it is hunting for something good to say of people. Did you ever hear of the dead Dutchman?' "'Do pray, Billy. Don't tell me any of your anecdotes now.' "'Just this one, mother. There was a dead Dutchman who had been the worst Dutchman in the business.' When the people came to sit up with his corpse, don't run, mother, I'm nearly through, they couldn't find anything good to say about him, and as they didn't want to say anything bad, there was a profound silence in the room. Finally, one old Dutchman, heaving a sigh, remarked, Well, Hans was one good schmoker, anyhow. Let me see. Cousin Sarah Ann gives good dinners, anyhow, only she piles too much on the table. See how charitable I am, mother? I have actually found and designated the madam's one good point. Come, come, my son, said the colonel. You shouldn't talk so. Shortly after tea, the two young men pleaded the weariness of travelers in excuse for an early bed-going. Mr. Bob was offered his choice between occupying alone the blue room, which is the state guest-chamber in most Virginian houses, and taking a bed in Billy's room. He promptly chose the latter, and when they were alone he turned to his cousin and asked, "'Billy, have you such a thing as a dictionary about?' "'Nothing but a law dictionary, I believe. Will that do?' "'Really, I do not know. Perhaps it might.' "'What do you want to find?' asked Billy. "'I only wish to ascertain whether or not we arrived here in time for snack. You said we would, I believe.' "'Well, we did, didn't we?' That is precisely what I wish to find out. Having never heard of snack until you mentioned it as one of the things we should find at Shirley, I have been curious to know what it is like, and so I have been watching for it ever since we got here. Pray tell me what it is. Well, that's a good one. I must tell Sudie that and get her to introduce you formally tomorrow. It is another interesting custom of the country, I suppose. Indeed it is. And it isn't one of those customs that are more honored in the breach than the observance, either. End of chapter 5